We have a great show lined up for you today, guys, because I got Douglas Bogart of Limited Run Games on the show. We talk about the origins of Limited Run, where it is going, and also we get in-depth into his video game pass, and it kind of just turns into a long Sega Dreamcast discussion. You'll see why as we get into it. Thank you for your continued support, and I know you guys are waiting for the video game specific episodes more of those are coming including some n64 stuff and Mega Man x is locked in Mega Man x is coming up so i still want your histories and memories of that game if you do have them send them into kevin at back you can send in a recorded mp3 try to keep it at around two minutes or less or you can send in some text again try to keep it to the point so we can make sure that we can fit in as many as possible that's the next game that we're going to be doing. I know Greg Stewart is going to be on that one, and my other guest for that is on vacation right now, so hopefully when he gets back, we'll be able to line it up. And then, in November, I have another Back of My Play Goes to the Movies coming up with Georgia Dow. We are going to talk about The Rocketeer. So we've got some awesome, awesome stuff coming up. So I hope you guys are looking forward to that. And again, don't forget, Mega Man X is coming up next. Then... As we get towards the holidays, I'm going to be looking for your holiday memories. We're going to be doing some cool time travel type stuff as we do, yes, Sega CD. And for Patrons, I got some more Patreon exclusive stuff coming to you guys over the next couple weeks. Some stuff that's already recorded and ready to go. And just I can't wait to share it with you. So thank you so much to everyone that is supporting the show. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. I really love doing it. I will say quickly... There were a couple connection issues with Douglas, but trust me, just continue to listen. The stuff in there is awesome, and I had a blast talking with him. I can't wait to have him back on the show down the road. Thank you again for tuning in this week. Let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Back in My Play. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and I got a special episode for you this week. Like every episode is incredibly special, but this is even more so because you guys know I'm a huge fan of the the guys at Limited Run Games. They're doing amazing work bringing digital games into a physical package so we can throw them up on our shelf. And it's it's so great to finally talk to one of the guys over there at Limited Run, and that is Douglas Bogard. Doug, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, this is uh, this is really. I know it's like super tough to to get a hold of you guys because you guys like never stop with the releases. You're like constantly have new games coming out. You have got you're really a publisher now, so the the release schedule for you guys is kind of nonstop for for the most part. How you guys been holding up so far? <clears throat> uh, it's been it's been pretty crazy. Yeah, I feel bad. Like. Uh... I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, but it seems like every time I'm like ready to talk, a new release happens or like uh, we recently had to drop our fulfillment center that we were using because they couldn't figure out how to ship things for some reason. And uh, <laughs> we had to take that over and I had to basically go back to like what was one of my first responsibilities at the company. So I had to like oversee shipping again and that was fun. And then on top of that, I still have like the other million responsibilities I have to take care of. But yeah. we're doing well. I was, I was gonna say like you know seeing a, a picture of, of you in front of a computer more or less just like you know printing out shipping labels and thinking like all right well 300 games or 3,000 versions of a, a playstation 4 game and a vita game get made that's a lot of shipping labels that you gotta and like a lot of packages that you have to put together to to make this stuff uh happen so i can imagine it just gets uh Maybe maybe it's almost time to, to for vacation. You looking forward to like maybe a little bit of that uh, this winter? Uh, well, yeah, I'm actually going to go back to where I'm from next weekend, which is Atlanta, just for the weekend, and then uh, but then right after that, I got to go back out of town to the Portland Retro Gaming Expo the week after that. So awesome. Well, it I'm, seems- always, I'm always shipping uh, on the computer <laughs> or I'm traveling. Well, I, and, and you seem to come up uh, in a lot of the conversations that I have with, with people, whether it be um, like I was just out in Toronto and talking with um, Sid Bolton. And this is one of the things that I want to start to bring up because, you know, I understand like the the industry wants to go to a digital uh, publishing platform. People want there to be, I guess, I don't know if it's it's more publishers or developers or, you know, gamers or a mix of everyone, but, you know, I guess people are are getting sick of discs. I mean, at this point, we, we get a disc anyways, and it's not even the finished game. It's like half the game, and then you download the other half once the game comes out. But for, 
for for people out there, it seems like you know you guys have become a really big. I mean, you be, you become a really big platform and a publisher for people out there because it it shows us that there is some light at the end of the tunnel, that there is some hope for physical games, especially for these games that at one time maybe only got a, a digital release, and now we're been, being able to see it uh, on a cart, so we can keep it forever, even after the servers go down. Is that a question? I don't know, just a statement. Oh. <laughs> But I, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess, I mean, I agree. Like, uh, I guess if I was going to do a better job as a host and put that into a question, I'd be like, all right, well, why did you guys start doing this? Like what, what drove you to, to say like, oh, well let's, you know, the, I guess the Vita is really hot. Let's start publishing Vita games. Like, I mean, it's not, but the, 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 the fan base is definitely pretty hardcore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Like you were saying such a good, like get along big statement. And I was like, this is pretty good. And then I didn't realize that at the end you were going to be like, welcome to back in my play. That's how I kind of roll. <laughs> yeah. Then you're like, no, it's your turn. Um, I mean, I definitely understand the way people think like the whole, uh, uh, physical like media thing. Like, like a good example is before I was at limited run, I worked at Ubisoft and, um, <clears throat> I remember when Assassin's Creed Unity came out, like mm. that the version that first came out is obviously broken. And it's pretty much unplayable. So like you're getting a disc that's like doesn't even do anything except for like install the game and then let you maybe run the game for like ten minutes before it has a game breaker. So mm-hmm. I can understand why a lot of people are like digital's better because of you know updates. But back in the day, things weren't like that. You didn't have the ability to just like update your games all the time. Like you basically the, the the game you had was the finished product uh except for like a few cases so i think it was like turok 3 you could mail in your cartridge uh and get like a, a patched version but like <laughs> right you had, go, you had to go through a lot of like uh hoops to do that so our whole thing is we want to try to preserve games and we want to try to preserve the best version of them uh it's not always the case though we can't always do that because there could be some crazy bug that no one had discovered before and then it happens or timing's just not right but the whole idea is just like to give you a complete thing that like stands the test of time. So like when PlayStation Network shuts down or they stop patching games for you or like whatever happens or like, you know, uh, Snake Plissken activates a thing that shuts off technology and like there's mm. no more internet, just like in uh, Escape from L.A. Um, you know, these games will last. Not sure why I went with Escape from L.A. for a metaphor, but whatever. Hey, that's a... Hey. Some some of uh, Kurt Russell's finest work. Um, so there's nothing wrong with bringing bringing that up. Um, well, th- then this is my thing. This is it. Seems like almost so. Uh, not not obvious isn't the right word, but it seems like oh well, this just like makes sense. It makes sense why people are gravitating to what you guys are are doing because I mean, especially for people that are tuning into this show, that most of them are gonna have a pile of old video games, whether it be the stuff that they had growing up or they're going back and wanting to pick up those those games. Like you you bring up Assassin's Creed, but it could be I mean it could be like anything, man. Like most games like come out today, like you, let's pick Halo Master Chief Collection. Okay, that came out on a disc and then there was, you know, a twenty gig patch. But if I want to go play that twenty years from now I'm probably not going to be able to do that because the servers are, I'll probably be able to play what's on the disc, but I'll be playing a super broken version because the servers are going to be down and, and stuff like that. And especially for all these digital games that you guys are now in a sense, really you, you guys are preserving this stuff. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's definitely the way we, our mentality is like uh, Josh and I are really big collectors and we uh, like, for example, every time uh, dreamcast has a birthday, we go back and play a dreamcast game. Um, <laughs> And celebrate the day so like nine nine is a, a big day for us and then you know if, if we had to rely on patches and stuff like a lot of that stuff we wouldn't be able to play um because i mean the only way to be able to do that is like for example um i have scott pilgrim on my xbox 360 mm-hmm. and like that's the only way i'll be able to play it right now is if as long as i never uninstall that but like like let's say that hard drive like that game's gone forever mm-hmm. so um, same with PT, all those people that are like, you know, holding on to their old PS4s and like not wanting to upgrade the, uh, core drives in case if something happens. So like, that's another worry of mine. Like I want a new PS4, but like at the same time, I'm like, don't want to risk trying to like transfer all that stuff over. So the, the digital age is just kind of scary. Like there's a lot of stuff like that can be, uh, like you can lose the license to it and then like they could take it down. And then a lot of the games that come out physical, seem to always need like a thousand patches and then that's kind of disturbing too because at that point especially if it's a game like let's just say like saints row um when those originally come out like they need patches and then there's also like 
I don't know, tons of DLC. You might as well just wait for the complete edition because like mm. that's going to be the best bet for you in terms of like lasting appeal. I yeah, I think um, it's it's a lack. The thing that concerns me, I guess, the most, and, and why it's why I still buy physical games for the most part today, and it's also because. You know, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get 20% off too, and you also get 20% off at Best Buy and all that stuff. But um, like for for me, I guess it's a lack of digital rights. Like there, it's still very much the Wild West when it comes to this stuff because we really haven't had a console that has shut down the servers, so we can't get access to that old stuff. The Wii is is almost there. I think the Wii will be like the first one where we see like, oh yeah, I guess we can't download those virtual console games anymore. Um, and then, you know, not, it's been 10 years, so the 360 might have like another five or 10 years into it, or maybe they can hold on to that a little bit more because the Xbox One backwards compatibility and all that stuff. But like there, we don't really have rights. It's basically like a, you know, full price rental and they can take it from you you know, whenever they want for the most part. Yeah, it's, it's really disappointing. I don't, I don't really like the new system, but again, that's just me being like old, I guess. Um, but a lot of kids don't understand that. And the other thing is too, like, you know, the way internet is and the fact that like, you know, uh, in our area, we're getting, um, uh, man, uh, Google's internet. I just totally forgot the actual name for it for some reason. Oh, they're, they're sweet fiber. Yeah. Google fiber. Like what an easy thing to remember. What's wrong with me? Anyway, <laughs> Uh, kids, kids don't understand. Like back in the day, like when, like I was growing up, like playing Fantasy Star Online on Game GameCube and Dreamcast. Like we just had dial-up. Like there was no way to patch games back then. So like, in digital games too. Like back then, there's just nothing you could do. Like I mean, maybe I could download a digital game for like my VMU on Dreamcast, but that was about it. So they don't understand like the luxury they have now. And I guess it's also something sadly like developers take advantage of too. They're like, oh, we got a deadline to meet. Let's get the game out now, and hmm. we'll just start patching it immediately. Yeah, it's uh, it's a different time. You couldn't really download uh, like a big patch and put it on your VMU. That that thing wasn't going to hold too too much. You had like VMU football on it and a couple Shenmue savings. That that's about it. Um, so what yeah. what what was you know let's let's go back in time a little bit. Um, okay, you you're you're at Ubisoft and then you have like this 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 idea of are you and Josh uh, or maybe you could give me a little bit more of the backstory of you what 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 was the process for you to say like all right let's we're gonna go publish our, our first game and that was breach and clear right yeah so like josh uh, started mighty rabbit studios about five years ago and we grew up together and we're, we're uh, been like best friends since like nine uh, 2000 and um i was working at ubisoft but i was also doing testing at mighty rabbit for like i, I did the testing for breach and clear and i also did for like side rpg and deadline and uh, anything else we had and uh, Ubisoft had a bunch of massive layover or layoffs and then um, Mighty Rabbit was running out of work and there was just this kind of like scary period where we were like, we don't know what to do. And um, we were kind of like, uh, what should we do? And Josh was like, well, I had, I've been having this idea like the past year, like maybe trying to do like physical games. Like if anything, I wanted, he wanted to be able to preserve his own games that he made because like, should his company shut down then hmm. there's like no, no legacy for him. Like he has nothing to show anybody except what's on the internet. So he wanted to actually, actually started owning like preaching clear and he was like hey i want to do this new side thing called limited run do you want to do it with me and at the time i was like wait why not i don't have anything else. like that seems like the best idea and everybody else on mighty rabbit is like an actual like full-blown developer like they they had work to do and like as a tester like i mean there's only so much i can do at times and then people and um so the idea was like I would be in charge of sales and like getting more developers on board. And then, of course, Josh does the exact same thing. Like our roles are pretty much similar on a lot of stuff. Um, so we decided to go with Breach and Clear because it was the first game Mighty Rabbit had ready for a Sony platform. Mm -hmm. And we already had been set up with Sony to do all this. And because um, uh, some people before had already started like kind of doing their own physical runs, like the it was kind of OK. with Sony was OK with more people doing it. So we had our account manager get us set up and we were like, let's try Breach and Clear as an experiment. We don't have a lot of money. Let's do 1,500 units and see how it goes. And then it sold out in 108 minutes, a Vita game that had barely sold anything on PSN for six months. We had made more in 108 minutes than we had in six months, which was just crazy. And wow. because, again, it was a Vita game and Vita was supposed to be dead at the time. So uh, we just kind of like proved everybody that physical still matters and the Vita was still still uh, still matters. Hmm. Yeah, the uh, the Vita is only dead in in you know certain people's heart. As someone who 
I try to keep my collection super tight. I, I try to own, you know, very like my Dreamcast collection is probably my most uh, is my biggest with like maybe fifteen games or something like that. But I try to keep it like super tight and uh, and things like that. But um, with the the Vita, I mean, you, you kind of I mean, you've you've experienced this firsthand. Like the community um, is is really hungry, not just for for physical stuff, but just kind of any game in general. It's not a big community, but you know, when something new comes out and you see something pop up in the store. You know they're they're more likely to give it a shot than seeing something on PlayStation Four, which has a, you know a plethora of games to uh, to pick from. So that was obviously a gigantic success for you guys. And then it was just like, all right, well, what's next? Well, like the flip side to that is like we originally didn't want to do too much on the Vita because the Vita costs more to produce. Hmm. Um, we were like, oh, there's more users on PS4. I feel like PS4 is a safer bet too. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we were to be the stock, we did produce the disc but then it, it would appear based on past sales that our vita's stuff sells out faster than our ps4 like i guess whatever we're not reaching the same market or the people on vita are just so hungry for something that like everybody buys it which is really awesome because like i didn't want to be stuck with any vita copies and at the same time like i love the vita because i've we've said this numerous times we feel like the vita in terms of like the games that's on it feels kind of like the a spiritual successor to dreamcast hmm. um and I just, like you said, the Vita fans are diehards. Like, it's kind of scary sometimes because I see them, like, getting, like, almost, like, threatening to developers that, like, don't keep their promises. But they don't understand sometimes that it's just porting a game to the Vita isn't easy. And I guess it's half the developer's fault for promising something they didn't look into before. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to keep the Vita alive as long as we can. So, like, I'm really glad the Vita fans love us because, you know, I love my Vita and I want to keep it going. And it's obviously still alive. It's just maybe it's not alive. Triple A studios in the West because there's a plenty of Japanese developers still making it. And like when I went to Japan, uh, video game stores there was like entire walls dedicated to Vita. And then yeah. I come back to America and GameStop's like a like maybe a two foot section and it's like just cartridges and there's not even any cases anymore. Yeah, there's there's a wall of just friggin' cases, man. There's a whole aisle of Vita cases and you know like. Uh cases and and uh, what are those things called like grips and stuff like that for it and then there's walls and walls of of games of stuff like oh man i really wish they would bring this over here to the the west but they still seem to be trickling we get dragon quest coming and stuff like that so at least it's still builders i should say gotta clarify yeah. uh that's well, that, 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 not getting the physical builders now, now uh, you gotta, you gotta look, you gotta, you gotta, imp- though, this is the other thing is like before you guys, like it, if you wanted to get certain Vita, uh, physical games, you would have to import from China. Um, yeah, that's how we got <laughs> Gundam Breaker three. That's what we had to do. Right. And, uh, <laughs> Digimon Cyber Sleuth. <laughs> so do you have a complete Vita collection? No, definitely not. I, uh, not even going to try to do that. Um, in fact, when I was making the decision if I was going to try to complete something, I was more leaning, leaning a little bit more towards PS4 just because, like, I love my handhelds, but I'm also old school and I love sitting on the couch with the big, like, I feel like if I have a giant TV, I might as well be playing a console. Hmm. Like, I like my PlayStation TV, but it doesn't always look the best on a TV that size. Right. Um. So, like, I feel like if I had to pick, like, there's a lot of, like, collector's editions. I always end up kind of leaning towards the PS4 one more. It's also nicer just because, like, if my wife wanted to see what I'm playing, I don't have to, like, lean over with a handheld. <laughs> I could just be like, it's on TV. Like, you can look. Um, um, but, yeah. But with uh, I'm kind of curious, and we'll probably end up jumping all over the place a, a little bit here, and we're definitely getting a little bit into your past. But I'm curious, um, for, for, for you guys, you, you've had um, – how many releases have you had? You've had over 20 releases so far? Yeah. I think uh, Thomas was alone was number – 23 what is there is there one that you're most proud of like you're most like it was almost uh not even like for for negotiations or just like a game that people wanted you know really really bad that you're able to to make happen but a game that you're just you know uh incredibly proud to be able to have shared that on a on a physical platform with people um i mean i'd say like the coolest one was probably odd world but like they came to us so it's not really like it wasn't as hard for us to get that one signed. Like they, they already liked what we were doing and we're like, Hey, we want to get back into like maybe doing some physical stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, that was a great relationship. I I'd say right now, like we have a pre-order up for the silver case, um, a suit of 51 game that was on piece or uh, was on PlayStation one in Japan. And now he's doing it for PC. 
and this is like our first foray into PC, which is a little scary. And I'm like, I'm not necessarily proud of the fact that we're on PC, but I'm proud of the fact that we have a Suda 51 game and kind of opened up relations. <laughs> that's, with, uh, that's badass. That one is probably like the coolest to me personally, just because like I had to go, I was in Japan already on vacation and it ended up turning into a business meeting. Like I had to like tell my wife like, Hey, I'm sorry. I got to like work today, <laughs> which was, which is already like something you don't want to say to somebody. Um, but I actually had to go to a meeting and like, it was neat because like I sat down with the guy and um, ironically his name was Douglas and he was from the same area in Atlanta as me, which was just weird. Two guys named Douglas in Japan. <laughs> and he was like, Hey, we really want to like work with you. And I was like, sweet. It's playism. I could finally get like crooks or Sigma or one of their other like really cool Japanese games. Cause like I'm a big Japanese fan. And he was like, uh, the game I want to do is on PC and I can't tell you what it is. And I was like, wait, what? And I was like, uh, we don't do PC. And he was like, I understand that, but I want to work with you guys on PC. And I'm like, okay, but we don't do PC. And he was like, I understand, but like, I think we should make it happen for this. And I was like, well, what's the game? And he's like, I can't tell you. NDA and NDA in Japan takes 30 days to process. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not going to say no to this. Cause like, I don't know what it is. And I really want to break into Japan. So I was like, ah, like, okay. Yes. <laughs> so and then a month later, I ran into him at PAX in uh, Boston and he was like, Hey, we're announcing the game we're working on to- together today. And I was like, Oh sweet. What is it? And he handed me a flyer and it said Suda 51 is the silver case. And I was like, holy crap, I agreed to this. And I was like, I am so happy right now. Like, that couldn't have been, like, the best. Like, it, it couldn't have been any better. Like, I'm a big Suda51 fan, and I just, like, signed a game and not knowing I was going to do a Suda51 game. So, and it, it took a lot of work. Like, Josh had to figure out how to get uh, manufacturing stuff together for a PC box, and uh, it took a while. And, there, like, the contract revisions took a long time, and Japan's a lot more old school. So... Getting all that signed and stuff was really neat for me. Um, and again, just the fact that I had to be in Japan to make it happen is probably why it's like the coolest moment for me. Um, I'd say mutually, or I know Josh is one of his favorite moments is Shadow Complex. Mm. So that was a game he played when it came out on Xbox 360 and was like, this is a game that needs a physical. Like, yeah. if there's any game on Xbox Live Arcade, it should have been this. And it was also at a point in his life where he was having a lot of like, like family uh, stuff happening and it was kind of one of those games that kind of helped him get through it so for him that was kind of like a big deal and we originally asked epic and they were like hey we're doing physical games they'd like to do shadow complex and they were like yeah no we're good and we we're like okay and then later we saw the same guy again because we we're right by epic um so we ran into uh joe who's like their uh engine uh like vice president of their engine marketing thing um and we we're like hey we just bought an odd world and he's like you put an odd world we should talk about this again. And then like suddenly that was the, how the door opened. Well, I mean that sh- in shadow complex again, that, that is a outstanding, outstanding game. Uh, man, if, if, if somehow Epic just ever got like really bored and wanted to port that to the Vita, that would be a, that would just be right at home on that, that platform. I, I think it would actually probably run pretty well too, man. Possibilities yeah, no, are endless. awesome. Yeah, oh, man, having yeah. that that small shadow complex box on my my shelf. Um, but you know, I, I digress. Well, let's let's talk about excuse me. Let's talk about the silver case for a second because um, th- this is something that I wanted to bring up uh, later in the show. But since you know that that story came up, I think it's a perfect time to talk about it. But um, with, with this game, you're kind of having open orders, so more or less saying like, all right, we're going to keep orders open until this date. We're going to Make as many as people order up until this date, but that's going to be you know a, a, about it. So this is a little bit of a different um, a different angle for for you guys. Yeah, we uh, because it's a PC, and we were kind of when we were discussing this with uh, the developers. We were like, uh, we're not really used to the PC market. We don't really know how demand is because, uh, like I said, I kept telling them when I met them, I was like, yeah, hey, we don't do PC. Like I don't know how many times I can make that clear. Like I really don't. <laughs> I'm not really like a big PC gamer myself and neither is Josh. Like we play PC games when we have to, but like, it's not, if it's out on console, I'd rather play it on console, mm-hmm. which yeah, it's going to make all the master race people mad that I said that, but whatever. <laughs> and, uh, I, uh, so the whole thing was like, Hey, let's do pre-orders. And then like, you know, maybe we'll order some extras on top of that and sell them at another date. Like maybe we'll have some on black Friday or something, but, uh, the idea is just to basically produce what's what demand is. And then demand so far has exceeded what we thought. Like we weren't really sure we could hit a thousand and it's already hit over a thousand. 
So we're doing really well. Um, and I feel like this is going to be one of those games that a lot of people are right now saying like, oh, I don't really want this. It's PC. And then later they're going to be like, oh, I should have bought that because we're not going to do very many PC games. And this is the first in our PC line. Like it, the numbers system is like outside the regular system. Hmm. So like where Thomas was alone was number 23 in our catalog um, on Vita. Like Silvercase is just its own thing. It's just PC one. And it's like not part of our like regular catalog. So it's going to be one of those things that's like really rare. And I, I feel bad for people that are waiting, but I mean, I can understand too. Like there's not, there was a point in time where I was kind of like, yeah, physical PC doesn't make sense with steam and like GOG and stuff. So, but like I've got really an indie box and like, I'm a huge fan of everything they do. So mm. I love owning all their boxes and like, we, uh, we're trying to help them out with anything we can too. That's another reason why I don't really want to get into the PC market. I don't want anybody like, I don't want, we're trying to steal business. Cause like, again, our, our, our comfort zone is consoles. So mm-hmm. we're just trying to do that. But silver case things were like, I couldn't say no to suit of 51. Yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm not going to debate with you on, on that. Um, let's talk about rarity, rarity for a second, because, um, you know, now that you guys have, um, you know, you have a pretty big catalog of of games. Uh, people are starting to to recognize Limited Run a, a lot more, and they're starting to go, oh, like what else? What else did they publish? Oh, look at yeah, like whether whether it was uh, Breach and Clear, whether it was you know Oddworld or something like that. Um, you know, you have all these these games that are um, more or less out of print. Um, you know, get like Zeo Drifter, you know, again, like another great game that people want to, might want to go back and, and try to pick up. And now, you know, these games are, are getting more and more expensive because they are, they are rare. They are limited. Um, w- would you guys ever consider like, if you kind of, you know, maybe it was another year from now or something like that, like, Oh yeah, people really do. They want more copies of, of Zeo Drifter. It, would there be an opportunity to do another run of a game or are you guys kind of like, yeah, like we, we've done it. It's, it's over. And, and those are the copies that, that we're going to make and we're going to move on to the next one. Uh, so we always have to explain this, uh, the way yeah. our contracts work with developers, we, uh, we can't print anything anymore. Like the, the way, like we could, if we wrote another contract, but once the game is, uh, manufactured and sold out, our right. contract basically ends there. We're not allowed to do reprints. So, uh, would, would you want to ever like revisit, contracts is would that be a possibility down down the road or is that some like you know again you know let's just keep moving forward kind of thing work through sony is already done once we've done it and all they have to do is basically produce another cover and that like they're welcome to do reprints we just personally don't do reprints cool gotcha Okay, just I fear I fear that would be a question that a lot of the 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 audience would have because now it's like I mean, you must get that a lot too on on Twitter. Like people are like, "Oh, they're looking for the old games, or looking for all these games now." Now that they know there are all these, you know, copies of like Rainbow Moon or something out there that that they want to pick up. And like, oh, well, it's like you know, whatever it is on second second market or something like that. Um, yeah. Well, the, the flip side of that is like, there's been a couple people that have done reprints for their games recently, or they've done open editions, and as much as people like like to say that we're a uh, catering only to like people that wanted to resell our games if we had done an open edition like i feel like we wouldn't have sold out because a lot of these other games that are coming out like aren't selling when they're open or if there's a reprint like everybody's begging for reprints then the reprint happens and then nobody buys it because now suddenly it's available and it's not hard to get Hmm. so it's, it's all about perception like if i if i make the games like if the run's too big or if i make it open like people are just gonna like kind of sit on their hands for a while and be like i could wait until any time to get this but if I if I lock in a date and like a, a run size, people realize like, well, if I want it, I got to get it now. And like that's because we front all the money for these runs, um, and literally all the money we make goes into the next one. We have to sell out. Exactly. So that's the, that's the thing. No that that makes that makes perfect sense. And um, you know, again, it was it was kind of uh, I, I picked up the last two games that you had uh, available with. Uh, Mystery Chronicle, uh, One Way Heroics, and also uh, picked up a copy of, of Thomas Was Alone. So, um, yeah, like I, I think you guys do a really good job of making sure, like, hey, like we're gonna have two two times the game's gonna be open. If you're in a different territory and you're gonna be asleep, don't worry. There's gonna be another time a little bit later in the day, or maybe at closer night, where you can go pick it up. And um, if you want it, like you're gonna be able to to go and and, and get it. They're gonna be around for a little bit, which is which is awesome. 
Yeah, uh, with One Way of Rogues, that was another game. Like, I guess I'm kind of we're we're pretty proud of. Uh, it also kind of spawned out of the Silvercase stuff because um, <clears throat> Playism had originally published the original One Way Heroics, and a lot of the work that they had done was you know carried over to the Mystery Chronicle version that mm. Spike Chinsoft did. And um, apparently, they like talked to each other about us, and that's like how we got Spike Chinsoft. So that was another neat thing. Like, if we had never talked to Playism. Like Spike Chunsoft may have been like, I don't know who these guys are. I don't really trust them. <laughs> Japan's really big on trust. So like that's another thing we're hoping that this continues is like every time we work with a Japanese developer, they have good a positive relationship with us and they tell somebody else because um, it's not as easy like Western. Western, you're just like, hey, uh, I'm going to get you this money and that's it. In Japan, they're like, you need to guarantee you can. And like, right. I don't know you. So you need to prove to me that you can do this. It, and and I hope I hope it is a great sign of things to come because uh, you know like we were talking about like you go into you go into the stores of of game shops or you could be like a big camera or something like that like truck electronic store and you'll see just rows and rows of games some that end up coming over here but they're only on PSN or something like that where you're like oh yeah I totally want to like have something that I could throw on the shelf or maybe, you know, I'm not, I don't want to play it right now, but I want to buy it. And maybe I want to play it a couple years down the road when I pull my Vita out of the closet or something like that. And I want to play it again, uh, which is awesome, uh, which is really, really cool stuff. So uh, aside from that, I wanted to, I wanted to pick your brain a, a little bit on your, your history with, with games and kind of like what, what stands out to you, not to play favorites or anything, but like, did you have a, a, a history where there is a, a console or two that, that particularly stands out for you that, that is, is something that you tend to go back to more often, whether it be like, you know, Super Nintendo or Genesis or, or whatever? Uh, yeah, I think it's a mutual thing for me and Josh. It's, it's Dreamcast. Hell yeah. So, like, uh, we became friends in what was our sixth grade of uh, middle school, and then uh seventh grade fancy star online came out and we put in like we've maxed out the hour counts on dreamcast like it's <laughs> well, well over a thousand on that and then well over a thousand on like gamecube and pc so like even if if, if i count fancy star Unit for whatever reason it's it's high up there too so i don't know the dreamcast always was kind of like my uh like that's like my first love like that's the first console. Like I remember being able to like make my own allowance and like spending all the money I ever earned on a dreamcast game. Like anytime a game came out, that was like what I spent my money on. Like PS2 was cool when it came out and like, you know, it killed the dreamcast in a way, but like, I just didn't <laughs> love it. Like I did my dreamcast. Man, we're speaking like the same language. I'm, I'm kind of like the same way because I'm, I'm 30 now. So I was like 13 when it came out. So when like in Massachusetts, 14 is the legal age to to get a job. So when I was 14, like every almost every penny from my my job bagging groceries was going to going to Code Veronica or going to you know NFL 2K1 or, or something like that. So it was that's pretty much where where all my money was going. What what are your like go to games on the system? Uh, well, obviously, Fancy Star Online, uh, Jack Ryan Radio, Shinmu, Skies of Arcadia. Um, Power Stone. What else did I play a lot of? Um, did you I, played get of, I played a lot of games that I like really weren't even that great, but I played them. <laughs> Dreamcast was like, you know, at the time that was like all I cared about. Like Slave Zero really isn't that great, but I played that. Yep. Um, I, I didn't like sports that much, but I played the NFL 2K games because you could customize your guy. So I would make like, like really like over really giant looking people or really short mm-hmm. people. I would turn off all the rules and just tackle people before they said hike. Um. Oh, Project Justice is a big one for me. I put in lots of hours. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, God, yeah. That, that, that there, you brought up like games that weren't like really great. Like they weren't the, you know, nineties or whatever. They weren't you know the nines or tens and stuff like that. But there were so many great like eighties uh, games on on those systems. Like whether it be the arcade ports that we're getting from Sega and from from Midway. Um, or just like the weird stuff, like we got like Omicron or like, yeah, uh, like, yeah, exactly. You get like Seaman, you get like Cannon Spike, you get, uh, like Carrier, you can get a bunch of, uh, did you, did you, did you beat Carrier? I didn't beat Carrier. I, uh, like Josh and I would play it and then we were both like, eh, Resident Evil's better. So we were like, (laughs) <laughs> and like i remember playing out trigger out trigger was like really hard to play hell yeah man 
you couldn't really turn and move at the same time. You had to like kind of like make the triggers left and right. It didn't really make sense. Yeah, the the first person shooters uh, on on the Dreamcast, like using the uh, basically like using the analog stick and then having to use the buttons as your second stick was not the the optimal way to play Quake or to play. I mean, Unreal Tournament, or even if you want to find a copy of Half Life in its forty two minute load times, uh, not going to be the best way to to play I, I that stuff. I don't remember the load times being that bad. Uh, well, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I guess it was mostly the um, the lack of optimization from not not having that game polished for uh, release and stuff like that 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 caused some problems. But um, yeah, man, Dream Dreamcast is God. I wish we can continue to get some more Dreamcast games printed these uh, yeah, days. I was just ranting about this on Twitter. I wish it had the like the support the Vita kind of gets now because like the Vita is considered dead right. by some in America, but like. There's so many fans trying to keep it alive. I feel like if the Dreamcast had this kind of support, it would have kept going. Yeah, maybe. Do you think that's just like a, you know, a different time? Like you know, the lack of of internet. Like now, the Vita fans can get together and they can tell each other about you know new games that are coming out or or new limited release stuff that that's coming out that they can pick up. Where I guess Dreamcast people were more or less stuck in like IGN dreamcast.com or something like that. And there weren't a lot of homes for, for the fans of the console. Yeah. I, I just hung out on like PSO world most of the time, but, uh, I, uh, I don't I w- know the dreamcast. Like I know there's a lot of homebrews people still make games that I just, I don't consider those officials. So they don't strike me the same way. Right. No, I, I understand that man. And there's uh and there, there were, there was a decent amount of support in Japan after we, it dropped off here in the the states, and even in in Europe, Europe they got a bunch of like weird games like Headhunter and, and stuff like that uh, after the fact. But yeah, Dreamcast is 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 uh, making me want to pull up my Dreamcast right now and hook it up to my my TV. But um, <laughs> so so kind of like outside of that, um, going going forward, um, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's, it's going to be a little bit difficult to kind of talk about what's coming down the road, but. Um, you know where do you where do you guys see the the company over the next um, you know a couple of years like like you said you know you're it's a kind of more or less a, a two man show right and you're you're putting all these packages together and getting them out there um, do you see you know the possibility for for some expansion or are you really happy with you know the the success that you guys are having by you know just like what is it like every other week you guys have a new game coming out right now. Yeah, we had to delay uh, Shantae for production reasons, but it's kind of a nice thing. A lot of people were upset that we had so much come out recently at the same time, and fall is also a really busy season for games, mm. so they're hurting a lot of people's wallets. But international people were happy because they got to save on shipping by having you know so many things available. But we're definitely expanding. We're getting a new office, and we'll have like an official warehouse since we have to ship everything ourselves again. Um, and like I'm not personally shipping everything. I'm just overseeing it and like doing labels. Like we have people helping us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like still for like, you know, in terms of like how the company is run, it's still run by two people. It's just, uh, we're definitely gonna have to expand like manpower on the, the fulfillment side, but I like, we still want to try to crack Microsoft. Like that's our next goal. Like we really yeah. want to put up Xbox one games and like Josh is a big Xbox fan, and he really wants to see Saturday morning, a physical Saturday morning RPG on it one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, uh, what else was there? There's uh, crap. Nintendo. We want to try to like maybe when the NX comes out, get involved because like right now with the Wii U stuff, like there's a lot of Wii U stuff we wanted to do. Like I really wanted to try to get Fatal Frame in America, but Nintendo is just like not really talking to us. Like they kind of like ignore us pretty much it's kind of sad actually but uh wow that doesn't sound like nintendo at all yeah <laughs> oh man i can't tell if you're sarcastic no Dude, but. yeah no like that's such a bummer man because like I, again uh you you mentioned um fatal frame like that's a game that people were like yelling for a physical version like you you mentioned like the fans like the most vocal ones when when you get something that almost seems like it is promised or it like comes out in europe uh <laughs> on physical version it doesn't come to the united states like it seems like yeah you guys maybe you're not going to make a ton of money off it but you at some point you have to also say hey like we're we're doing this for the audience, the people that are buying our hardware and that are supporting us. Um, it is just rather frustrating as someone that would love to see Nintendo be back to its former glory of success, but it seems like they're tripping up in some of you know some spots where they could potentially be uh, making some better choices. But 
Oh, well. I'm not really sure what, what, like, it seems like a lot of uh, Japanese companies favor Europe over us sometimes. It's like, growing up, I'm a huge Dragon Ball Z fan. Like, every time there's a collector, a collector position of Dragon Ball Z, like, Europe gets, like, an awesome figure, like, mm. some crazy thing, and then I get stuck with, like, a steelbook or something. And I'm like, really? Like, what? That's all I get. Like, this is, like, the <laughs> Xenoverse 2 is the first time I'm getting, like, an actual collector's edition from Dragon Ball Z. So, like, the fact that Fatal Frame came out in Europe, but then not America, where there's, like, I could have sworn America had, like, a very large presence in gaming. Like, just didn't, <laughs> it didn't make any sense to me. I was kind of, like, shocked. And, like, I, I liked Fatal Frame, and I downloaded the demo, but I'm like, I'm not trying to have a 30-plus gigabyte thing on my Wii U, which only right. really supports, like, 30 gigabytes. Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, that's a great thing to bring up. Just because I, I don't know, I hope I really hope that you guys are going to be the you guys are going to be the option for these these publishers and for these developers that you know might not get the support from the the platform. I mean, holders and stuff like that. They could come to you, and you can be the the option to get those physical copies to the people that do want them. Because there are audiences for all those franchises that you just mentioned. Um, you know, maybe not five hundred thousand copies, but maybe like ten thousand copies. Maybe fifty thousand copies would would be doable. Um, I, I just wish we could all be happy and have our physical games again. Yeah, it's like like you were saying. Like I just. I'll buy digital if I have to. Like when Yakuza Five came out, that one was kind of a big slap to the face to me because I was right. a huge. I I wrote Sega an email like every two weeks while I was at Ubisoft and like even at home, like saying, "Hey, here's how you could release Yakuza Five in America." And like I even wrote a, like a business plan saying, "Like this is what oh, you could do. This is, like how much money it would cost." And then I even said, "Like worst case scenario, you could do PlayStation Network only and just do digital." And then that's what they ended up doing, but it was still like. You couldn't do a physical in America. Like I own all of them physical, and now this one and like you're releasing zero physical here. So like five right. is kind of like there's an empty spot now. It's uh, it, we can never really rationalize the decisions of gigantic companies that uh, have boards and have all these different you know chains that things need to go up in terms of decisions and stuff like that. I guess it's it's. You know, it's it's one of those things where at least we were able to, we won Shenmue three at least. We were able to yell at Shenmue three enough where we got a physical version of that on the Kickstarter, which was probably their plan all along. But we we made it happen, so I feel like at least that will be a success when I have a physical edition of Shenmue three arrive. And what do you think, man? Is it going to be like twenty twenty eight? And we'll see Shenmue three or something like that. But eventually, we'll have it. that's a game too. I'm kind of worried about because I backed it and I was really excited. Um, but like the fact that he's breaking up the chapters again kind of like upset me because I'm like I was like, no offense, like you're getting you're getting older and like it took you a really long time to get three together. Like, do you really think you can pull off a four before it's too late? Like I just I kinda would have rathered him like wrap it up. Like I know the Shenmue story is really long and he had a lot of chapters written, but I just I don't know, I'm worried it'll be one of those things that just ends and like nobody'll ever know like how it was supposed to end. We must we must believe in Yu Suzuki that he can that he can pull it off and I've I have faith in him I have faith in Ryan Payton and the team over there continuing to uh, work their butts off and at least you know that for for them you know some Kickstarters do a better job than others but they've been doing a good job at least keeping people up to date showing me pictures that you know uh, he's pulling out the ThinkPad laptop and and showing people where the game is going and the 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 look of it and I. I shouldn't even be talking. I still need to finish Shenmue 2. I'm a, I'm a butthead that hasn't finished Shenmue 2 yet, so I, I guess I can wait a little bit until that comes out. Um, well, like Back to that, though. Like, like I personally didn't finish Shenmue 2 either because I, when I finally got an Xbox, I, it was kind of late. In the, like, I was, it, it just felt dated at the time for me, and I was like, yeah. I had already watched Josh beat it, so I was like, I don't really need to like play it all the way through. And like one, for whatever reason, still holds a place for me just because like, I played that game so much and like learned everybody's like, like, cause every like AI character in that game had like a schedule. So like, I like figured out where everybody was going. I had the strategy guide. I like got way too into that game, but, uh, the whole thing with Sega too, that upsets me is like, there's so many games that they could put out. Like, I don't want them to do digital, but if they had to, like they could have done a Shimmy one and two remaster already. They could have done a, I wish they had done a physical Jack Ryan radio for Vita. Like that would have been neat. I would have bought it oh, again, man. Yeah. Oh, well, 
or Skies of Arcadia HD. I would buy that again. I would. Could, I, Sega could make so much money for me. I wouldn't close the door on Shenmue One and Two HD. I wouldn't close. I'm not saying that it would come out physically, but um, I no, think I have a foot. Will. Or not physically, but digitally. Yeah, we will we will see that. Um, set your watches, folks. We'll see that uh, before summer of 2017. It will be out. Set your watches. Um, and I'm usually pretty good with these with these rumors and, and things like that. But anyways, um, I don't want I don't want to uh, do anything else in terms of rumors. But for 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 you guys, um, I, I guess kind of like wrapping up. Are, are there any? And then again, this might be like really tough to talk about. Um, but are there any kind of like you know franchises, or are there any kind of like you know publishers outside of what we already talked about? Obviously, you know Nintendo. That would be awesome if you could get in with you know Nintendo and, and Sega and get these games um, produced and, and and on physical carts and stuff like that. Because I don't know, do you, maybe I don't want to ask you that question. The question that I now want to ask you is. When you talk to publishers or when you are able to talk with some bigger companies like Epic, did they do you think that they or is this a thing where people like realize that putting these games out for the hardcore, hardcore audience will boost the franchise itself by, you know, having the game come back to the forefront of video game news websites by having the, you know, people posting about it on Twitter and Instagram having just even people remember, oh yeah, Shadow Complex. Oh yeah, and no, I remember that. Like I'm totally whether I go buy the game or not, I'm gonna go remember that I can pick it up on the PC now, and there's other ways to to play it on Xbox One backwards compatibility. Do they realize the the positive energy that can be around a physical release of a game, even if they don't see it as like a big money maker for them? Um. So, like, a lot of the bigger publishers, it, it kind of depends, or developers, they uh, they, they want to get the most out of legacy titles. Like, if they, if we can explain a way that, like, hey, this game that you didn't think could make you any money actually can make you some more money, uh, they'll usually jump on board. And then there's some times where, like, we've given a developer or a publisher, a, like, an estimate on how much money they can make with us, and they look at it, and they're like, that's not worth our time, which right. is crazy to me, because I'm like, you like, the, the amount of work we put on their side is very like small we try to like tell them it's like maybe a few hours of work and that's what it really is like we take care of mostly everything so that's why i was like when a developer comes back to me and says like i don't i don't feel like two hundred thousand dollars is worth my time i'm like what i wish i could say that but (laughs) like it's just it's shocking to me and then like one one of the ones we've been trying to crack forever is sega like we wanted to do a physical yeah is a five but they like turned us down on that but they did listen they asked us like what we would do and they came back, and I guess Sega Japan told America no, because um, you know it's a whole different environment. If anybody's mm. read the whole console wars book, it's it's still very much like that in some ways. Um, yeah, Toyota Sound probably isn't still there anymore, so probably can't hit them up and see if we can get get Yakuza Five going. But oh man, that's hopefully. I think, like I said, like with you know Spike Chunsoft, you guys are making progress out there on the east. Uh, that would be great in terms of opening doors for for other physical releases here on the uh the western hemisphere that would be awesome yeah i want to crack second i want to crack uh square enix because like i am setsuna and yes adventures of mana are both digital only right oh man so. okay this is i'm i'm excited about the possibilities i'm you're just reminding me how much i'm bummed out that those games did not end up coming out physically <laughs> in the in the west like i am setsuna i would have bought that um but i didn't <laughs> because it wasn't uh a physical version. I'll wait till it's on sale or knowing PlayStation Plus will be up there in you know a couple months' time. But uh hey. yeah, say 40, I think it's like forty for a digital title, and that's just a lot for me. I just right. can't justify that. It's okay, yeah, I guess I understand. Like World of Final Fantasy is coming, it's got the Final Fantasy name on it. That's a somewhat of an unknown, but it's from RPG Maker or what is it like RPG company or something like that? JRPG company. Um yeah. oh boy. Uh well, anyways, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I, I know that you guys are extremely busy right now, and it is Friday. So uh, before we go, uh, where can people check out Limited Run Games? Or where, what, what is the best way for them to stay up to date with what you guys are doing and uh, have the heads up when games are going to be open for order? Um, they could follow our Twitter, which is at Limited Run Games. They could follow me at Limited Run Doug. There's Josh at Lemon and Run Josh. They can also, another good thing for releases, especially, is our mailing list. They can sign up on our website, uh, limitedrungames.com. 
And I mean, we have a Facebook page too. We also have our own forums. Uh, we're active on Reddit, NeoGAF, GaijinWorks, Vita Lounge. Um, so we we try to be all over the place. I was active on GameFAQs for a while, but like the way their forums are set up, it's still it's basically the exact same way it was when I was a kid. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of hard to use it because I'm like this this worked well in 1999, but it's you know it's 2016. Right. Like, it's pretty unorganized. I, I will say I'm going to back up uh, on on the newsletter. That's how I like. I usually for releases of your games, like I will set a reminder on my phone or something like that. But for some reason, the reminder didn't go off. But the newsletter saves my ass. So sign up for the newsletter um, and make sure that you have that going. And same thing with like Twitter, because sometimes you'll be like you know browsing through Twitter or something like that, and you'll be like, oh oh yeah oh crap it's out right now. I got to go order a copy and make sure that you don't uh, miss out on that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to say, you know, personally, I, I'm, I really love what you guys are doing. You're doing an incredible job and you're doing, uh, some, some special work over there to, to make these digital games physical so we can make sure we preserve them, uh, down the road and continuing to support consoles, uh, like the PlayStation Vita that, that I love. Maybe one day, uh, we'll get a Dreamcast release from limited run games. Something crazy like that would be nuts. But, um, yeah, seriously, thank you for, for you and for Josh and for all the work that you guys are, are doing, uh, and please keep it up. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, we'll definitely have to do a follow-up. Absolutely. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to talk about as you guys continue to move forward. And uh, for everyone else out there, make sure you're going and checking out limitedrungames.com. Get in your orders uh, for the silver case. You can get that in. You're going to want to have that on your shelf and make sure that you get it done before uh, the orders are up. And uh, again, I, I just I'm always looking forward to the next announcement of the next game that you guys have coming. So uh, I will stay tuned as well as the the rest of the, rest of the audience. And uh, I guess until then, we will we will talk to you later. We'll see you next time. Bye.